tell them here and let them be. Well, I got something deep inside of me. I can't hide it anymore. It needs to be so free. There's no time to let this tale get old. No, no, no. It's the best. Welcome to the show. My guest is an author. Let's welcome Marina Molars. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so I felt inclined to applaud, but it was like only for me, so that was weird. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just you and I on a on a dining table. Um, so, so we know each other through a work context, which I can't talk about mm-hmm. due to legal constraints. However. I didn't know you were an author until like one day you were signing copies of your book. Yeah, like a normal person does. Sure. At yeah. their desk. Sure. Uh, welcome to Freedom Point. Yes. Um, so my question is, I haven't had a young adult author on the, on the podcast before, so I'm curious what inspired you to write in that uh, genre. Yeah. I think it's like, so I did my MFA in creative writing um, and was very much a part of short fiction, but also like intrigued by the idea of like young stories. Like it's a strange thing, like short fiction is a big thing for adult literature, but not for a young adult. And it feels like the perfect amount of writing for like a young kid and to also like reflect on those like very small slices of life. So then it just felt like a natural thing. Like I knew I had to write a book to, to graduate, essentially. Okay. So that's like always a great motivator. Like when you know you have to keep paying and then unless you write a book and then you can go. And so, um, yeah, I started writing like short stories about young people, which made up like larger community stories. And then now they sit somewhere between like young adult and adult fiction. And I kind of like I like them like that, like right in the middle. And like, do you, uh, cause apparently you've been on book signing tours and you've done press for <laughs> welcome to freedom point, which I didn't know until like five minutes ago. Uh, what do you, did you find like your audience actually older or like, were you surprised to find different readers come out that you didn't expect? Yeah. It, the thing that's been the coolest about it is it'll usually be a mix. So I went to like a couple high schools as a part of it to, to pressure test if that was like the sweet spot audience because it's like people who are old enough to like know what it means to be awkward in junior high but like still young enough to like dictate what the reading age could be Mm -hmm. um so it's a lot of high schoolers like reflecting on their junior high years and then also adults doing the same thing so it became this kind of wonderful path of like reading bits and pieces and then people coming up and reflecting on like who they were when they were 12 or 13 Mm. Which is cool. And like people that I have known for years that just have never inherently talked about that time of life. Like it was a really cool, like contagious, awkward conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I've read I've read the reviews of your book. <laughs> All four of them. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, yeah. Witty, awkward. Yeah. Yeah. All that. Seems very, very uh, uh, up the alley of 
life in, in junior high. Yeah. It's cool. It's like, uh, it's fun to, and also to position stories that like would be deeply sad if you were 12 and going through it, but like very funny if you're an adult talking about it. Like that mm-hmm. play of how close those two things are is something that excites me. And I like to write about it. Uh, cool. Are you uh, kind of developing another book in that space? or I'm trying to do a novel now. So that's like all linked short stories. And then I'm like, I'm like 50 pages in on a novel. Nice. And it's exciting because I don't know what I'm doing at all. And it's like a very fun ride to figure out. And that one came out, I mean, from like writing it to it being out in, in the hands of the people was like a couple years. So yeah. now I feel like I've changed so much as a writer in like five years that mm. it's a cool study in writing something kind of similar, but like wholly its own. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, you know, look forward to, to, <laughs> to, reading, to reading all of your work. Thank you. Uh, so I think what's, uh, what I kind of set up for people is that, you know, you know, you, you're a storyteller. Uh, and, and you've had kind of professional success with it, right? And so it's kind of your profession. So on this uh, show, you know, I'm asking you to not tell any of those stories that are polished and you <laughs> know, and, uh, you know, you're kind of feel comfortable telling. Instead, uh, you know, we're asking you to tell kind of one of your strong untold stories mm-hmm. that are unrefined, unpolished. You haven't really shared publicly and and in some cases for some other guests I've had even privately you know so it's definitely you know kind of like a diamond in the rough type of a thing and sometimes you don't know exactly how it's going to unfold (laughs) as you tell it yourself you know because maybe it's something you've been thinking about and just haven't had an opportunity to share so uh you know with that in mind no pressure yeah uh, that's kind of what I think will be kind of fun to hear, uh, you know, your best untold story whenever you are ready to share. I think I'm ready. I've been trying to, I've been trying to keep it like, I've never said it out loud. And so it's an interesting thing to navigate. I'm, I'm buckling up for the ride. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. And I should say, uh, real quick, uh, you know, most of the time I see you in a very pleasant light, you know, like, <laughs> that's like, good. No, I mean, you know, like, yeah. uh, f- fun times, silly banter, mm-hmm. uh, nothing really that personal, I would yeah. say. Cause it's just not appropriate for the space that we're in <laughs> <laughs> professionally. But, uh, so, so it'll be fun to hear something that's like kind of yeah. from, from your, from your personal history. Yeah. So yeah, whenever you want to launch into it. Okay, so um, context setting. So the story takes place in 2015. Oh. So like relatively recently. That is very recent, yeah. You know, it feels like five minutes ago, but also 100 years ago. Okay. Like the fall of 2015. Um, so additional context. So I'd finished my master's. Um, and loved it. And I'd finished my book, what would become my book at the time. And so I walked out of there and also was like, what do I do now? Because I've been doing this thing for like three years. Yeah. So I was definitely in like the transitional space of life of trying to figure out like, what should my job be? There wasn't anything laid out in terms of like a tenure track teaching job, which I was sort of hoping would be a thing. 
but it was like, if I'm going to adjunct or should I freelance or should I teach somewhere else and things like that. So trying to figure it all out. Can we uh, say where the MFA was? Yes. It was at Northwestern. Okay. So you're in, you're in Chicago. I'm in Chicago. Okay. Um, and like surrounded by the loveliest people. I think I went into an MFA like being afraid that I would like not be smart enough or cool enough and then walked out with like the greatest experience ever, which I would like to just say because I think people get scared of programs. Sure. So yeah. It was a great time. So, but I'm in Chicago and like having the best time and then suddenly like I have to pay bills now. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, yeah. Of course. <laughs> and get a job. Um, so trying to figure out like what do I do immediately? Should it dictate what I want to do overall or should I just take a job now? Like a lot of those questions. Mm-hmm. So that's all going on in Chicago. At the same time, personally, um, so I'm the youngest of five kids and my oldest brother, Greg... He was like 11 years older than me um, and struggled with addiction like most of my life Mm. and kind of ups and downs of it. Um, The like loveliest person in the world and like the light of everybody's life and just like so cool as an older brother. But at that time, well, it felt like I was trying to just like stabilize my own stuff. He had relapsed and was having a really hard time. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was also trying to figure out, like, what does my life look like in case this goes south? Like, should I stay in Chicago? Should I even look for work elsewhere? Um, trying to figure out all of those things of, like, should I be here just in case something happens? Yeah. So it was a lot to, like, walk out of and try to figure out. Um, so I, like, did some weird freelance jobs and, like, still couldn't really find my rhythms. And then things inevitably got worse. And he passed away. Um, kind of at like the end of that real crisis season of everybody's life of like trying to figure out what to do independently and together. Hmm. So, um, it was, I, I think like maybe this, this is all of the contextualization of the story of like all of that was going on, which is probably why I never talk about this specific story. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at the time I was like, well now when we had gone through like kind of the early stages of grief and I was trying to still figure out like I still need to get a job which is like a very weird raw reality to address in like the middle of something like that Mm -hmm. so I was interviewing a million places and agencies and like trying to kind of find my place with the volume turned up a little bit because of all of this other stuff and then I had a recruiter reach out and it was the job was to screen obituaries um, like the comment section online, oh, which is a thing that like, I don't think I ever realized is a thing like that. That is a, we live in a world where like now that obituaries are shared on social media and like digitally that there is like a user can add a comment or like sign a guest book. They say, I, I didn't know. Okay. I didn't know you, there was a, that makes sense that you would need a screener. I know. I didn't know that was a thing either. Uh, yeah. But sorry. So. But- It was like a very strange thing. And at the time I was like, oh my God, like this is obviously my calling specifically in this moment of life because it was like, I had like just gone through all of it and like really was fascinated by the rhythms of like grief in general. So Mm. it was like, it was a real weird moment of being like, I am qualified for this job because all of this is happening. And also, I was like, I just wrote a really great obituary, which is a strange thing to say is like, writing wise, I was proud of it. But also it was like the hardest thing ever to do. 
Of course, yeah. So it was a strange combination of like personally speaking and professionally speaking in this space that was very wild and unknown. So um, I went through, I did like two interviews to be the screener. I think they interview you to make sure that you like have sense and that you know how to read if things are like appropriate or not. Yeah, yeah. So that was like a, a wild ride. And then I got to the final step. But at this time, I'm also like, obviously, like, this is the job for me in this moment or season of life. So I got to the final step, and it was that you had to do, like, a test. Like, there is a test that exists in the world where they send you, like, what comments could potentially pop up. Mm. And so they sent it my way, and it was, like, 300 questions. And it was, like, very strange things of, like, would you leave this comment up or would you not? Like, you would take it down and kind of, like, mess with the system of it a little bit. And so then I was, like, very confident that I could do the role. And then an hour later, after I had finished it, they were like, I just, I don't know if we see you in the world of obituary screening. And I was like, okay. And then it was such a strange thing. And also, like, after being kind of, like, struggling to find a job, that like that was the job where I was like the most devastated to not get that job, which is such a strange job that no one exists. Nobody knows it's there. And so then I guess that's that's the long and short of it. You see so, so you didn't get this job. No, I didn't even get the job. Which is like What? I felt like you have you ever had those moments where like the you're like the universe has been leading me to this thing and I am she, the most qualified in this moment of life and then they were like thanks but no thanks. Wow. I know. Uh, did they share the results of the three hundred question test with you or anything? No. Or? And I one of my greatest regrets in life is that I like did not download the three hundred question test because now. I in just like quiet moments of life, I always think about like I wonder which ones I which ones I left up that I should have taken down and which ones I took yeah. down that I should have left up. Um, I guess I was gonna ask you know, I guess we, we are gonna have to speak about your brother a yeah. bit um, if that's okay. Uh, did you feel like the job was gonna give some kind of like cathartic thing to you? You know. I think so. And I also like, I think one of the things that's rarely talked about, especially with grief, is that like when you're in the middle of it, I think people think you like would like to not be in the middle. I mean, no one wants to be there, but like that they try to change the subject a lot. Whereas like there's such a weird processing going on that like when you're in the middle of grief, there is no greater thing than anyone who also wants to talk about how weird grief is. And like to surround yourself in it is almost like a safer space than. Mm. trying to get out of it. So I think it was like everyone was afraid to discuss it, but I was like very hungry to discuss it all of the time because it was my first time going through like something like that. Yeah, I, I was going to ask because I, I, I think it's just in my own experience, mm-hmm. or like, like instinctually you put it aside or you compartmentalize it or you like just try to do something else because you don't want to confront those feelings. But in your case... You decided to take a job where <laughs> that's like every day. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, I guess, like, in hindsight, do you, would you have done it differently? Or, like, <laughs> you decided to go, like, kind of head on and to immerse yourself in yeah. that. 
I think I also was foolishly like, now that all of the sort of procedural stuff of it, of like having a memorial, like I thought now that all of that is done, then like that chapter is sort of done and now I can navigate it like in my own stuff. Whereas it's like, oh, it's actually like none of that is actually doing the work. Like you don't process anything in that phase. Mm. So I think that I thought like now I have grown so much in the past two weeks of doing that, that I can do this job totally objectively. But I think probably deep down, I was just like trying to make sense of everything still. Yeah. So to surround yourself with other people who have survived it is like a wonderful technique. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I, I also, <laughs> I was going to say like, it is, it was kind of an interesting, you were kind of just expecting your, your kind of common i just graduated yeah uh you know i got my my mf my master's and now it's time to work <laughs> and and you're you're hoping it's uh something to do with creative writing and yes. then so then this job comes along did you kind of like sort of in your mind like i'm gonna make this make sense to me even totally though... okay it was t- in, because i had also had a string of interviewing for like like you would know like the random agency writing jobs where it's like I'll write anything just tell me what it is okay. and I think a lot of those scenarios like I was prepared to walk in and be like but I have a master's in writing from like a great school and so like if I just apply then like I will get the job and there was like a handful of not getting them for one reason or another yeah and then thinking like oh, now I'm super humbled by this experience. But then seeing that job, I was like, oh, duh. The universe wanted me to do this job. Right. And it was this like triumphant buildup of like, someday I will tell the story of how I got into this field at like the exact time. And then instead I'm telling this story of like, no, actually I totally misread all of the universe's (laughs) cues. And it was like wildly foolish, but meaningful at the time, I think. Yeah, I guess like I guess a lot of kind of the this now like I'm kind of curious about the story the story after the story. Yeah. I'm like so you didn't you didn't get this job. I did not get and the job. It it devastates you probably more cuz of, you know, your family situation yes. than the actual job cuz it wasn't like a writing job. It was a It was like a it was like a a loss of control cake built by grief and then like this was the real icing of like also you also can't get a job and you can't get a job in the thing that you've been very good at navigating for the past couple weeks and months yeah i guess so. I can't, i'm kind of curious what yeah so so like after you don't get this job yeah what happens <laughs> then i got a job eventually <laughs> okay well after i didn't get the job which is interesting. I was trying to figure out like why I've never discussed not getting that job specifically. Because any other time I have not got a job, which is many times, I'll at least like talk about not getting the job. Yeah. And the buildup of I think about how many conversations revolve around like applying for a job or getting a message, interviewing for the job, and all of the speculative stuff that surrounds that. And like I didn't talk about the entire journey with anybody. And that's probably the only time ever where like that's happened for me professionally. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, I was, you know, you, so you, I mean, you were kind of like creating a plan of, okay, if I need to be in Chicago to be with yeah. my family, my brother, you know, I'm going to find something. Right. But then 
obviously there's like a, you know, tragedy that happens. And so, uh, did that kind of open up the, the doors of like, I'm just going to apply all over the country now or how did that? Definitely. Okay. So like, which I, so six months after that of not getting that job, I moved to LA and like took a job and that was sort of like the rest is history. Like that's how I got out here. And I think in some ways, because I didn't get that job, I assumed like there would be no job for me in Chicago because it was like that was the only job that really totally made sense in mm. the context of what was going on. Right. So then it was like, well, now there's nothing here probably. And so I have to kind of go to a coast or go somewhere else. Did you uh, move first or get the job first? I got the job first. And then you moved forward. And then it. I moved like a couple weeks later. I see. Yeah. Okay. Is that the job that I know you to have now? <laughs> no, it's a job. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was like a social media. So you can talk about it. Yeah, I can talk uh, about uh, it. Okay. It was great. It was like a creative. I was working in like country music one day and then working for like other brands another day. Um, it was truly just like all of the jobs that I had interviewed for in Chicago and didn't get. Oh, like social media marketing? Like uh, writing. So there's like a subculture of like, People who write memes and like edit them and sort of create a brand voice, which is very much how I got, I think, to my job now of like, how do you build out a digital presence and make it sound human was my job. Oh, interesting. For a couple different brands that like did not have social media yet, which was interesting. Mm. That's uh, okay. I know. But also like definitely I loved the job, but like it was definitely like a big that was like the ticket into the next phase of life in some ways like getting that job gave me the freedom to like start again um so not to not to backtrack but i want to kind of <laughs> just you know hone in on on the story that you you've shared um so after not getting this job screening obituaries yeah a real loss <laughs> in my life did, did your uh, kind of opinion of signs of the universe change <laughs> at all or? Yeah. You, okay. It's funny. Like I'm a true, I don't have any basis for anything, but I do believe that like things, everything happens for a reason. And I think that things like naturally organically pop up when you need the most. And so that to me, that's the one, that's the asterisk of like, except for that one scenario. Okay. You know, but I do also think I would have never moved to LA if I, if I had gotten that job and I wouldn't be where I am now in like a job I very much love and appreciate. And so it's an interesting thing of like, I'm still bitter I didn't get that job. Yeah. I still think I should have, I would have made a great screener, but I also don't think it was part of the, the master plan. Uh, I guess, you know, what, you know, signs of the universe talk. Uh, I, I don't know if I often talk about uh, with anyone when yeah. you misread the sign yes. or whatever, or you're like, oh, that's, I, I totally got that wrong. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to process that, actually. Do you feel like, have you had those moments? Well, I guess, do you believe in, like, signs of the universe was the first question. Yeah, that that I'm always on the fence about. Yeah. Because I, and I feel like I've had that brief discussion on another episode, not to like shout out my own series. <laughs> you should link in, link in bio. No, no, no. Uh, link it. I, yeah, I, I think I'm always a little bit on the fence about it. I'm not sure. I mean, certainly I've, there's things where you can, I think, interpret as like, 
yeah, that's the universe telling me to go in that direction. Yeah. Um, but I've never thought about like the universe tells you to go in that direction. You do. And it totally bombs. And that's because you misread totally the sign. Like I've never really thought about it that way of like, oh, it's human error. Yeah. Which is why that was a botched situation. It's funny too. I also think about objectively speaking. So like if the universe wasn't involved, it was also a moment in my life where I was the most academic. So I left after having to sort of pitch myself in a very academic way. Like I'm in hindsight, that's probably why I didn't get jobs like writing listicles about like spooky stories online or things like, like it was just a different world to show up with like fresh out of grad school and thinking very cerebrally. And then they were looking for like an entry level caption writer. They were probably like, this is not it. So then it's, it was just like, I was a very, in very formal form then. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to be like overqualified. Yeah. Especially when you're like a 20 something who like really doesn't know anything. Yeah. Except for like you know, the syllabus. Well, it's like you're you're not overqualified, but you are. It's because you have the academic credentials. Yeah. And then an employer is like, oh, they're like, <laughs> they're too well educated for this position. Like they might ask for too much money. Yeah. Or, I feel like that's a general assumption. Is I always just assume that that is a thing. Yeah. Like I, I also like just think as like a young, a young woman, then there's that fear too of like, how do I show up and be enough, but not be too much all of yeah. the time? Yeah, getting getting work in the the professional sector is tricky. Yeah. Like like my whole life I've always felt like it's not any different than when I was like <laughs> fresh out of college till now or whatever where uh it it just like you, you cannot get a job because you specifically did not do that job. Yeah. Even though you did work that is the same or or even in, in some cases like kind of higher level. Yeah but you didn't do that specific task. So then the employer is going to just like try to find like someone that's been an obituary screener (laughs) before. I would love to know. know. I should reach out a couple, five years later and ask who did get the job. Cause it, maybe it was like, it was like a funeral director who had some free time. (laughs) Right. Right. Like if you, if you learn that like, Oh yeah, the person has like a wealth of experience in like the the mortuary business. So they like, they're like, we gave it to someone who was dead. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, then <laughs> in that case, like, I, you know, I respect that. Oh, but man. Do you think, like, I also think about human error in terms of, I usually think I can read the room or situation pretty well. So that was a real, like, do you feel like when you interview or when you're applying for things, you have a good sense of, like, what your odds are? Or is, do you walk in assuming, like, I nailed that? And then they call and you're like, what? No. <laughs> I, I don't because I, uh, I've been told for most of my life that uh, sometimes like my, my humor is too dry, and so it's like a it's like a misread, right? Yeah. Like like I might be too dry of a person, like joking wise, and the jokes are lost. Yeah. So then it comes off as like this person's odd or. <laughs> Uh, this person there's something it's not, not right. clicking that yeah. man is not well <laughs> yeah or then other times i've interviewed where i've i've tried to like alpha male the whole situation but i'm not like that type of a personality but like there's a perception of like oh if you're more gregarious and 
uh, fill the room with life, then like you're gonna be hired. Yeah. You know? So then like, there's times where I try to play that role, and that doesn't that I, and I don't feel right in the moment. Yeah. Like I feel icky because I'm like that. I know this is like not really me. This is me, like after some drinks in a karaoke bar, but it's not like trying to like yeah be that I think about that like creatively too when I was like applying to grad schools like a lot of what I write is humor or at least like borderline and then I remember like a professor was like if you're gonna build a portfolio and submit it to get to a graduate school like you have to have some real serious fiction and I remember thinking like I don't know what to do because if I write really serious fiction and I don't get in anywhere, it'll be a fail. And if I do get in, it'll be worse because then I'll have to commit to like three years of pretending that's who I am. Yeah, I I tend to, you know, as we're both writers, I tend to side on the staying as close as you can to your authentic voice or self because mm-hmm. it's just too hard to fake writing serious if you're not that type of a person or personality or like a writer you know like it feels unfair too to like a reader or like a viewer to write something that's not honest yeah i think i mean i think people can tell for sure yeah you know like people we consume so much content that people are their own experts you know during the american idol era the the peak (laughs) american idol era i should say like the the simon cowell era I became a musical expert. I mean, I thought I was, you know. You were like, judging. You were like, yeah, I was like she's not built for the top 10. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, so pitchy. Yeah. That performance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, people develop their own. Yeah. T- and I feel like, yeah, the, the things that stick out is like, that was a great show. That's a great song. Or the ones that feel like that person wanted to do that. Yeah. The way that it's been, it was done and there wasn't too much notes or editing. or Yeah. Like, that person being forced you know to to go a different way i always think too like this story is so much it's like the root of it is like being humbled by the universe i guess but i think about how like the privilege of that happening in privacy if you think about like people on reality tv now and it's like they show up for the job they want which is to be a global superstar and then they're like humbled on tv in front of everyone i'm like it must be so weird to process that. That's oh, that's a good point. I uh, I guess that kind of leads me to my my final question, which is going to be a variation of a question I often ask a lot of guests. Uh, but you know, you know, normally I, I will ask. This is a, it'll be a two parter. So normally I ask, you know, how do you feel about sharing this story, um, this private story for the world, and mm-hmm. and I should say. We do have some listeners in Spain, so shout out. What? To, yeah, shout out to España. Yeah, big shout out. I would love to visit if you're a true fan. <laughs> uh, so, so one, how do you feel sharing the story? But the second part, which is going to be related to what you just said, is why did you decide to share a moment that yeah. humbled you privately? Yeah. You know, that you kind of have kept as like either like a kind of a touch point or like a like a like a turning point in your life or whatever. For yourself. Yeah. Um, so why did you de- decide to kind of share that? Huh. Those are two, that's too great. Those are two standalone questions that, on their own, but great questions linked as well. 
Thank you. Yeah. Much like the linking. <laughs> really great. Of, you should be a question screener. <laughs> much like the linking of your stories in Welcome to Freedom Point, yeah. which is available on all everywhere platforms where you buy books. Uh, yeah, any platform. If you go to an independent store, they can order it. There's a we have a distri- distribution guy in Kentucky. He's great. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah. What I guess you could just do one at a time. Yeah. Um. I. It's funny. I feel good talking about it. It's. I am in the. So they talk about this kind of like. I'm very into like grieving theory. Um. And like recognizing that a lot of my stuff is like I'm very much early in a, a grief pattern, even if it feels like everything is kind of like normalized. But I think about like. It feels good to share a story like this because I feel like the larger context of it is like that's enough of a story and becomes the story a lot of the time. So then you either forget or you never sunshine any of the like granular things that were going on that were very human at the time Mm -hmm. of like this thing was like that period of my life will always be defined by losing my brother. But there were also like very strange humbling moments that were not directly related. So it's nice to like give those the stage sometimes, you know? Oh yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's like, you don't, it's the ten, sort of the, the tangential yeah. things that accompany that big moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the things that like in any other scenario, you'd be like, I didn't get the job and that would be it. And I think it's interesting to like, I think it's nice as a human to reflect on like what those moments actually feel like in the moment. And like sometimes they are amplified by other elements of life, you know. Yeah, um, I think you answered both questions. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just trying to see what is the second. What was the second question? It was. Uh, well, that that was why you decided to share it. I think. Yeah. So so then the other question would be, yeah, how do you feel now? Um, good. I yeah, like should I rank it on like a one to ten scale? If you want. Like a nine. Wow. Well, I mean, I I, got to perfect this actual storytelling of it, I think, but I, or not, because it's, I don't know, it's a messy story, but it's good. No, that's the, that's the kind of the, (laughs) the beauty of the, this uh, series is these are unpolished stories. Yeah. You know, and now you can polish it if you'd like to. I also think like now recently I've been trying to, to like lead, this is a whole other thing, but like lead more writing workshops and one of them I've been trying to develop, like specialized ones. So like one of the ones I've been trying to work on is about grief writing and like how do you even put language to like phases of life like that? Mm. And I think it's like a very cool challenge I'm currently going through of how do I do that? And I think it's nice to like, I don't know, give some breath to the parts that maybe people don't think they should even talk about. Well, that's a, that's a nice way to kind of kind of end, end this episode. Mm-hmm. So... Thank you, Marina, for being on the show. Uh, let's plug Welcome to Freedom Point yeah. again. Yeah, can we say it again? It's Thanks. for everybody. Yeah. It's short. St- if you like short stories, that's it. They're all linked so you can read it uh, as a linear book as well. It's for like all ages, young adults, adults, funny people, Midwest coming of age <laughs> stories. Really, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Okay, yeah. Um, so so check that out, and uh, we'll talk soon. Perfect. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, if you'd like to know when our next new episode comes in, it's easy. You can. Subscribe for the best story I never told. That's right, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher.